A good day and welcome to episode 96 of the Plus One Player Podcast. I'm one of your host, Steve, and this week, it's just a one-on-one adventure. It's me and Kate, joined by the Android Queen. So how are you this fine Wednesday, Kate? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I uh, We were just talking off air. I just started playing a little bit of Greedfall, and I know you got it coming tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about, about that in the coming weeks. So I'm excited. I actually, yeah. I like it. It's it's pretty solid so far. I made my character, kind of danced yeah. around the world. World's okay. nice. It's the, the yeah, facial I'm... animations are weird though. Whatever, just <laughs> just like read the subtitles and like don't watch the people as much. Honestly, I am one yeah. of those people when subtitles are on the screen, I will read them regardless. Same. Like I have headphones on, I can clearly hear what they're saying, but there's something to read on the screen, so my eyes automatically yes. go to it and I just start reading. Yeah, so there you go. You won't look at the weird mouse or Uncanny <laughs> Valley or whatever the problem is. But yeah, I'm excited because I, I snagged it on PC, it was on sale, and because I got a new PC gaming chair, so I'm oh, getting that early next nice. week. So I'll finally be able to sit in comfort while we record this, and I'll actually maybe want to play more of my PC games because I'll have a better chair because this yeah. chair fucking stinks, folks. It's a shitty old office chair. It makes it's a difference, good. man. After like I know. sitting there for a couple hours, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to actually having back support when I sit mm-hmm. down at my mm-hmm. computer. So it's going to be a nice, a nice little adjustment for me. Yeah. And you'll notice Manny's absent. It's actually because he's parading around in his hat as a diplomat in tier for d so he's really just taken to the culture out there and he he's actually quoted as saying there is nothing i love more in video games than wearing hats and being a diplomat it's amazing yeah he loves it so he's out there just having a fucking ball so good for him him. hope he enjoys it (laughs) but while he's out there we have to keep the house clean so as always follow us on social media at plus one player on twitter and instagram and that's at plus the number one player go check us out on facebook at facebook.com slash plus one player and go over to the website which of course is plus one player.com there you can grab links to our twitch which is twitch.tv slash one slash plus one player excuse me i'm actually thinking of streaming a little bit of greedfall because it seems like it could be a fun one so i might do that this weekend um before sunday because it's football season and that just takes up my sundays so what can you do (laughs) but also on the website and in our twitter bio find a link to our discord we got a great community so come on and join the fun unless of course you're racist in which case you don't get to parade in your hat and be a diplomat. So, fuck off. <laughs> After all that, if you enjoy the content, if you enjoy hanging out in Discord, head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. And if you're feeling generous, throw us a buck or two, because every dollar you give us goes right back to the show to make it the best podcast in the gaming world. We have an amazing group of supporters, and we'd love it if you would join that awesome group. And can't finish up housekeeping without mentioning a sponsor of the show, Nerdiest Brands. I'm actually going to tell you about that now, because this show, this episode, we're just kind of... This one is weird. We're just kind of winging it because we <laughs> we kind of had a last minute cancellation because Matto, feel better, buddy. He's feeling a little under the yeah. weather, weather. So me and Kate are just kind of take the reins and see where things go tonight. So with that, I'm going to tell you all about Nerdiest Brands, which is a fantastic website where you can get some amazing nerdy gear. So head on over to nerdiestbrands.com. That's nerdiest, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, brands.com for all of your nerdy fandom desires. You won't be disappointed. And of course, if you'd like some sweet 15% off, which I feel like you should, everybody loves a discount, 
Use the code plus one discount, and that's plus the number one discount, and that'll get 15% off your purchase. So go check out nerdiestbrands.com. And with that, the house is sparkling clean, and we're about to kick off episode 96. And like I said, we're just kind of freewheeling tonight, just seeing where the where the night takes us. And so I didn't really have an idea for an opening segment. Usually we do like these fun little games, but with two people, it's not as yeah. it's not as it's not as good, you know. Right. So what I kind of had an idea to do is to almost shift the focus a little bit from games, and let's just go over right now what are our top three TV shows that we're either watching that we recently watched, why we enjoyed them, and why we'd recommend them to wow. some folks. Are you a mind so, reader, Steve? Is that what you were thinking of doing? I wasn't thinking of doing it on the podcast, but I was thinking of like writing something up for Twitter or something. So now I don't need to because we're going to well, do no. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, now we'll do it here. Because <laughs> I've watched some and good shows lately. Same. There's been yeah. some great shows and there's, there's currently some good shows going on right now. So it's going to be actually tough, even though it's kind of on the spot here. It's going to be tough to narrow this down. But mm-hmm. let's kick it off. Because I feel like we might have some overlap here, which is good, because that way we can actually kind of, we'll be able to differentiate our lists based off what we say. So, I'm going to kick it over to you. Okay. What's your your number one, I guess? So, number one recently is The Boys from Amazon Prime. Seconded. That was very, very much up on my list. That show is amazing. Um, If you have access to Amazon Prime, like, you need to watch it. With, like, very little caveats. Like, I guess if you're, like, really, really squeamish, there's a few scenes you might need to look away. It is oh, very, yeah. very gory, but, like, it's just, like, an excellent show. Um, I feel like it's that gore that's just the laugh-inducing gore, though, because I feel like there's a difference, the you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, I, there's, like, a few scenes that I was, like, uh, but, like, most, <laughs> yeah. of the, most of the gore is just, yeah, like you said, it's just like it's so over the top and it's so sudden that mm-hmm. you're not like, you know, they don't. It's not like a extended like torture sequence or something where you're like really grossed out and whatever. But yeah, most yeah, of the I time mean, it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, ah, okay, holy shit, that's a lot of blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an awesome show. I think it's interesting because. I'm kind of like over superhero stuff, but I know you like you're a pretty big fan of superhero stuff, and we both really like the show. So I feel like there's something for everyone here, like mm-hmm. ha- regardless of how you feel about Marvel movies or just like superheroes in general, because it's just it's such a good satire of it. Yeah, it's it's excellent. Yeah, because it it doesn't play on any of the typical superhero things that we were accustomed to at this point. Like it's very much a dark comedy and yes. it paints a very chilling picture of what would it be like if superheroes were real and if they yes. were corporately owned, which they I got to be, be honest, they, they would real. totally be corporately yeah. owned. <laughs> like Disney would literally would own all of these superheroes. Yes. Um it's funny because like after I finished it, I watched um a bunch of like youtube videos uh particularly about like differences between the boys comics and the tv show yeah and apparently the comics are like way darker and way 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 more cynical which i was like i think they rode that line really well in the show like i wouldn't want the show to be that much darker than it is i agree it definitely has like a lot of dark moments um and explores like a lot of 
kind of weird themes and stuff but it's still like you still have like those hopeful characters as well and sort of like a light at the end of the tunnel whereas i think the comics is just like straight up everyone's an asshole everyone is terrible yeah there are moments where some of them look redeeming yeah there's obviously like without spoiling too much homelander the the actor who plays homelander deserves some type of award because every time he is on screen he just attracts all the attention it's amazing yeah i mean and he just like portray like that duality of homelander where he can smile in your face one second and then like completely you know eviscerate you in the next like the guy just constantly feels like he's ready to pop off and it's terrifying because homelander has like superman powers so it's like yeah he can basically murder anyone at any time if he feels like it so yeah that that actor is just like everyone in the cast is really good but he in particular stands out um Mm -hmm. as excellent i agree and i also i also love that like carl urban is like actually getting like a meaty role that isn't just i feel like he's just he's been cast lately as like that big dumb action guy yeah like he was in um one of the thor movies and a few other things and like judge dread he was the lead but judge dread doesn't really have a personality so it's like <laughs> yeah. it's nice to see him like as a character with some depth and like interesting um emotions and stuff so it's like for oh, sure yeah. like carl urban's a good actor like i'm glad that he's getting a chance to shine getting the chance to flex those acting chops yes yeah, and they're already filming season two, which I'm very excited Thank about God. because it's, I mean, it's eight episodes, so if you haven't watched it yet, go binge it. I know it was like Amazon's most binge show of all time, so. Oh, wow, really? Deservedly so, because it's it's fantastic. So that one was right up on my list as well. Kind of shifting gears. So this one actually wrapped up about a month or two, or a month or so ago. I don't know. Okay. Time is Time is a son of a bitch. And it was Euphoria on HBO. That show- okay absolutely hooked me right off the bat zendaya is phenomenal and honestly the whole cast is great like it really plays on the uh, like a a modern teen drama but there's Mm -hmm. obviously some comic elements but there's some really really dark moments in it and it tackles some like heavy topics for sure but it does so in a way better way than something like 13 reasons why i was gonna say it sounds like it's like infinitely better than that yeah that's a i unfortunately watched season three because i'm i'm a fucking idiot and i just <laughs> need to keep watching that show because at this point for some reason i need to see what happens to these stupid fucking kids and 13 reasons why anyway i digress euphoria not that show euphoria is way better i think it was again another like eight episode run uh they are doing the season two but every episode what it, they did a great job of kind of focusing on in the first half of each episode like focusing a little bit of time I'd say maybe like 15 minutes or so on one specific character. Okay. And then the back half of each episode would end up kind of building off the story as a whole. And so that way you get the background on everybody as you're actually seeing them interact in present day and kind of where everything goes. There's one of those, one of the kids, what was it? Nate, that guy, such a piece of shit. Like he's just (laughs) the classic. You you just, you hate him. You you live to hate him. And he, like, the actor did it, played it perfectly. But it's a fantastic show. I can't recommend it enough. And I don't, like, I know that there, when I'd be talking about it on Twitter, there was, like, a handful of people that I knew were watching it. But unfortunately, I don't think enough people were watching it. Like, more people gotta go check out Euphoria. I gotta tell you, there is one scene, though, where there's, like, just 30 dicks flopping around in one scene. So you gotta just go in there knowing that that's going to happen at some point in the show. 
Yeah, George R. R. Martin actually wrote that scene. It yeah. was pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely on my list to watch um, at some point. It like I haven't heard a bad thing about it from anyone yeah. that's watched it. Um, like teen drama is definitely not usually my interest so that's why i wasn't like oh i gotta watch this as it's airing but it's definitely on my list to watch for sure i think it does a good job of being what a modern teen drama should be because it doesn't feel like one of those teen dramas we watched on like fox or like like you know the oc or one tree hill or anything like that so no it has a has a lot more depth to it good good (laughs) there are there are some head scratching moments for sure that i won't spoil there are some times you'd be like could this really fucking happen but other than that, like it's really, really well done. So that one, okay. that that one, I, I recommend to everybody out there. So right. what do you got for the next one? So how how recent is recent? I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay. let's just go back. You know, what, like six two, months. Yeah, sure, that's recent enough. Because okay. at this point, like you could be talking about a show that maybe no one watched. Who knows? So right, that that is kind of what my next one is. So yeah. So the second season of this show came out like. I don't know, five or six Oh, I think I know ago. what you're about to talk about. Yeah, I've talked about it before, um, not yeah. on the podcast, but I think to you. Um, it's Dark, which is on Netflix. Yes. It's a German show. Watch it in German with English subtitles. Don't watch it dubbed. It's it's a really, really good show. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people have watched it. It's like, some people call it like the German Stranger Things, which I don't think is quite accurate because yeah. it's like, it's super serious um it doesn't have like a lot of the humor of stranger things it doesn't have i mean there are some scenes that are set in the 80s but like it's not that nostalgia homage to like 80s movies or whatever that stranger things is you know right right and it's it's like this crazy german show about time travel and causality and all this stuff that like kind of hurts your brain to think about but like the, the way that they portray it is so interesting, and um, mm. you know, time travel is one of those things where like a lot of people try it. It's like very hard to get right because there's just so many things that arise where you're like, well, if they went back in time and changed this, then why didn't you know? Yeah, <laughs> this or that happen. All these like paradoxes, and like in dark, they just like address that straight away, and they're like, yeah, we don't know what came first, this or that. Like this is. You know, I, I like that they just, like, kind of lean into that aspect of a time travel show and just kind yeah. of go with it. But it's awesome. Um, so since you have, like, the time travel element, you have all these characters at different ages. And the casting is, like, phenomenal. Like, so many of these people, I knew right away, oh, that's so-and-so as a child. Oh, no or kidding, that's yeah. so-and-so as an old man. Because, like, before they even said the name, because they just, like, managed to find people who look identical or like 30 years apart it's really really good yeah it's it's amazing and like the acting is good and there's just there's just like so many cool uh mysteries there's like this like secret society that is kind of involved with like the time travel thing that's like trying to preserve the timeline and then there are other people that are opposing that so um yeah it's it's really excellent if you want like a serious thought-provoking show um i i highly recommend it yeah, see, that is one you kind of convinced me to go back to because when I tried watching it, I did exactly what you said not to do, and I watched it oh. in English, and it was yeah. it just took me out of it. Like I couldn't really get into it; it was so distracting. So I'm gonna give that another shot because I, yes. I know the the seasons aren't too too long, which is good. No, yeah, I think they're. I know they're filming season three. I think 
they're they're either like i know they have a set amount of seasons and it's either mm-hmm. either three or four so it shouldn't like go on too long kind of thing so that's good sweet Highly recommend. i'll have to i'll have to get on that one because i i do need i feel like i need a new show that i can like kind of binge through i don't really have one of those right now like right now i'm on like uh, i don't know my 73rd rewatch of the office but whatever who, who cares yeah so <laughs> what i have watched recently though and I, it's actually on right now another hbo show mm-hmm. the righteous gemstones so this is the one with danny mcbride john goodman oh. uh, adam divine and they're they're like that yes, church I like the preacher that. family yes oh it is so because it's just like everything you'd expect from danny mcbride at this point after eastbound and down after vice yes. principles everything that he kind of went over the top with in those ones it's it's this but it's now just like southern preachers and so oh, you bring in it. the element of just like shady shitty preachers conning people into giving them money yeah and just the extreme nonsense that they get into like without spoiling anything because I, I, I don't well it's tough i really don't want to spoil anything but like there's one scene in like the first episode where you're like there's no chance any of these people survived right. <laughs> what happened and sure okay. enough it's like red and pineapple express when he just takes so much punishment he keeps coming back oh okay and so i love like that just outrageous humor where you know yeah. like they're just saying fuck it like we don't care about realism we're just trying to have some fun and all the acting is phenomenal like, i love john goodman so him, him being in here and being like the patriarch of this family he has moments where he's absolutely hilarious but he also has moments where he's like super chilling and like kind of the way he okay. treats the family yeah (laughs) his daughter her fiance is just like the classic like whipping boy fiance who just can't fit in with this family and tries to act like he knows more than them and even the the, i think there was one scene where like the daughter like grabbed him by the ear and like dragged him into like something so just like classic little moments like that but everything about it like it's so spot on and once i saw that cast and i saw like the first trailer i was like there's no way this won't be funny and sure enough, yeah. it is. Like, the first episode, I think, is an hour, but then everything else has only been, like, 35 minutes, so okay. it's actually a relatively quicker watch. Super fucking funny, though. I and Walton Goggins realize... shows up. <gasps> love Walton Goggins. I love Walton Goggins. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he just, like, That's apparently like, does so everything with Danny McBride. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, perfect. <laughs> like, the southern sort of, like, you know, dark humor is, like, so up his alley. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember a role that Walton Goggins has had recently where he wasn't, like, southern and, like, kind of shady. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Vice Principals is, like, the same thing. Like, yeah. he was super weird in Vice Principals. <laughs> He's always weird. <laughs> That's great. He's a fantastic yeah. actor. So, yeah. I highly recommend The Righteous Gemstones. I think it's been four episodes so far. I'm not okay. sure how many there's going to be, but... It's damn good. Super funny. I didn't realize that was airing because I definitely wanted to watch it when I saw the oh, yeah. news. I just like didn't keep up with when it was coming out. So it's fantastic. I think I think you'd find it wicked yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean I love Danny McBride. So same. East Mountain Down is one of my favorite shows. Yes. I could go back and watch that constantly because it's just so preposterous. What's your your last one? Um, it has to be good shows, right? I mean, it could be any shows. Like, I mean, it could be well, like, a show that was, or, yeah, like unless it's like a show that you like fucking hate and you're like, well, no, I really hated it no. so much. I need like, to tell everybody why it sucks. No, no, no. The, like, I just I watched some some other stuff recently that's like had good and bad. Like, yeah. it's not like okay, I, okay. So, um, I guess the third one I'll talk about since I like just finished it last weekend 
was um, Carnival Row, which is also on Amazon. Ah, uh, yes. Which I am not going to give, like, a glowing recommendation to, but it's it's entertaining. It's a it's, dim light recommendation. It's just yeah. enough so you can see where you're going in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if, you're, if you, like, just really want something kind of fantasy and you just want to put something on that's, like, kind of cool looking, I would recommend it for that. But, like... Right. It's it's actually a very creative universe. The setting is really cool. It's like Victorian London esque, very clearly inspired by like Jack the Ripper because there's like a serial killer on the loose. Um, yeah. But the conceit is that like in this world, there's like um, different fey creatures as well as humans. So there are like um, pixies that are basically you know fairies or whatever. There's, like, these guys with um, horns and kind of, like, hoofed feet that kind of look like, I guess, like, centaurs. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a few other things. But those are the two main um, fantasy races. And they're all sort of, like, their homelands were, like, pillaged. So they, they've come to, like, the land of the humans. And they're kind of treated badly. And it's, like, a very on-the-nose immigration um, yeah. metaphor. Which is fine. But, like, like I said, like, the world is actually quite creative. And they... They did a lot of stuff in the background that's really interesting with, like, I think they did a good job showing how some of these people are, in fact, trouble. And then mm-hmm. a lot of them are just, like, honest people trying to make a new life for themselves here and there. My real big complaint with it is that it tries very, very hard to be that, like, little finger intriguing Game of Thrones, like... <gasps> we're gonna be talking about this reveal you know like they try so hard with like so many like oh this is actually your real father and you're actually this or that and it's like it's too much it's just like you know like one or two of those reveals per season is good but then when it's like every episode every corner you turn there's a new sort of thing it's it's just like it's overload right oh for sure and just like some of the writing is just like a little (laughs) trying too hard so i i feel like if they can get some writers back for season two that maybe are a little more subtle kind of like tone things down a little bit because they do have like this really cool setting that i think they could have a really good show on their hands and like i said the whole like serial killer mystery was actually pretty good in this season Mm -hmm. but it was just everything else that surrounded it that i was just like okay she's betrayed him and lied about this and it's just it's too much but yeah if you're if you're looking for like something like completely unique in terms of setting and fantasy and stuff i would i would recommend it yeah that one popped up and i mean it looked visually appealing for sure but i like once i because i heard saw you and rianne talking about it in discord and it it seemed like it gets a little bit kind of off the rails at some points it does yeah so i mean it's you know just, maybe yeah, it, it it just feels like yeah there's just like a lot of reveals and stuff that i'm just like i don't want to like disparage it but it feels a little like young adult like those books. Like, <laughs> all right okay <laughs> and i don't want to like i don't want to disparage those i know a lot of people like those books but for me, they they just tend to lack a lot of like subtlety and nuance that stuff like Game of Thrones or something has, you know, where it's like, right, oh, yeah. of course the main character is the chosen one. Like that kind of situation is kind of like, uh, all right, it's a little yeah. coincidental, but sure, sure. <laughs> well, you know, I guess. Yeah. Whatever like works. Said, whatever they, gets it to print. Get some like better writers 
next season um, because they have established a really cool setting and everything. And um, I think I mentioned it on the last podcast. It's also completely original. It's not based on books, which actually really surprised me or any comic books or anything. So, you know, props That's to awesome. them for creating yeah. something new. Hopefully it is like kind of the building blocks because like you said, like they do a good job of kind of building the world. Yeah, which is, they do a great is, job of that. Which is what you hope in the sense that let's see if this can continue because this is what we talked about last week with nostalgia where it's like, do they have new ideas? So this is a fresh new idea. Mm-hmm. So hope it works out. I, I do kind of want to check it out though because it once I saw the preview, it kind of looked like relatively intriguing. How many episodes yeah. is it? Uh, it's How just eight. Oh, okay, good. So I don't yeah. have to devote an entire... Too much to the melodrama. Perfect. (laughs) So my last one, and this one, I feel like we could both chat about. Okay. It's season two of Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. Because it was fantastic. That one was awesome. That show is phenomenal. I I loved season one. I love those kind of like crime dramas. Yeah. And but the the big thing with these is the the relationship between you know Wendy Holden and Bill. Yeah. Like those three, I love watching them on screen together. This past season, in particular, I thought the the character of Bill and his whole family yes. that was obviously the most interesting part of it. For sure. But I thought he did such a stellar job as well as his wife. I, yeah. I don't know the, the actress names off the top of my head, Me but they did a phenomenal job because there were so many moments where you felt this enormous sense of like what they were going through yeah. because of everything going on around them. And it was weird because Holden was such the the primary character in season one, and he kind of takes a back seat in this. And I feel like instead of focusing on, because this this won't spoil too much, mm-hmm. but without light spoilers, so if you haven't seen it yet, you might want to skip ahead. Without focusing too much on kind of the acts of going and talking to these criminals to figure out, you know, why they did what they did, what was their their life like to get yeah. them to that point. They started to shift that to use that as the backdrop to tell new stories, which I thought was really cool. Yes. Because, yeah. I, again, I don't want to get too much further into that don't, because it'll yeah. spoil a huge moment. But it, it, it uses what they were doing in season one and what they continue to do in season two. But it uses that to now formulate some new stories that they can build on and add to as the seasons go on. Because right. it is confirmed for season three. So we, we got that going, which is perfect. But I thought from start to finish, it was just as captivating. The The Charles Manson scene was, yeah. I thought, phenomenal. I thought it was cool. They got the same guy who plays him from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I mean, imagine being typecast as Charles Manson. I know. But the guy, like, he's got a look, man. He's got he that did, look. Yeah, he had the whole thing. He had the, the look, the, the the swagger, yeah. all, that, all that shit. So. I, but I, I love those, those scenes where they kind of, like, slow everything down. I did feel like Wendy's story was kind of yeah. Eh. Was, it wasn't as good as it, I mean, as I feel like last season was. Yeah, but like when you're also contrasting that with like Tench's story, it's just like I think almost anyone's is gonna fall short. Like yeah, like you know I I think the themes in her story were interesting and were relevant and stuff to the main plot. But yeah, it's just like Tench's story was just so fascinating and so good that it it just it's hard to uh, hold up to that, but yeah, yeah I, definitely I, um, agree. I I love that season. I was like a little disappointed at first that we weren't getting like a lot of Holden, but like you said, um, I think I think especially like once the whole show is out and we kind of like watch it in its entirety, it'll be like, 
okay, well, this the first season was Holden's season. Second season was Tench's season. Like, they're probably going to oh, yeah, parcel I could it see out that. that, like, each person has a focus. So it'll, you know, in its entirety, it will be, it'll make sense. Whereas, like, you know, we're just conditioned from the first season to think, okay, Holden's the main character. Yeah. But, yeah, and I think I, yeah, because it's just that traditional sense of like, well, this is how it's done. But it's, I, I yeah. do like that they kind of separate it where you can get a, a better bit. look. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it, it wouldn't have been as good if they just did the same thing they did in season one. And that's the, I mean, that's you can say that about any show. But I thought they yeah. did a really good job of making it fresh for season two and giving us something to look forward to in, uh, yeah. in season three. And um, I thought the main, I thought the main case this season, which was the Atlanta child murders. Mm-hmm. um was really interesting and um was like a big contrast from like Kemper kind of being the main yeah. I mean they'd already that was already solved but he was kind of like the main villain if you will of season 1 so I th- I thought like it was so interesting cuz they could bring in so much more of like the bureaucracy and the racial tensions and the pressure from like the mayor and this or that um and sort of show how much homicide investigations and probably a lot of police investigations are hamstrung by these other forces at work oh yeah Um, you can't just like there's like that one scene that like holden just needed like a a flyer or something and the guy was like oh you gotta check with so-and-so and and then we gotta run this by so-and-so and And holden's just like oh my god yeah he's like son of a bitch like i just need this yeah yeah (laughs) so if you if if you guys out there haven't seen the first season honestly binge both it's a great show for any of you crime junkies out there it's a it's a really good one so that has been (laughs) our fun spur of the moment segment top three what you're watching that's yeah. what we'll call it, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so anybody out there who wants to let us know what they've been watching and what you could recommend to us, give us a call at 347-509-5620. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, time to move on to the topic of the podcast, which is really just, we got some news stories that we wanted to kind of talk about. They've been a focus on uh, over the past few days. And so we're just going to kind of go through that. So almost like an extended patch notes episode. Yeah. And really one of them will kind of lead to a couple of different avenues that we'll talk about because it's all the rage right now is like, this has been the the hot topic. And of course, because we're recording Wednesday, it comes out Friday, Borderlands 3, having a bit of a, a review fiasco from yeah. what I've seen. Um, so basically what it turned down to, to was that Borderlands 3, the, the Gearbox folks, they weren't giving access to certain outlets, and one of those outlets was Kotaku. Shocking. They also denied Giant Bomb, and what 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 they were saying was it was due to security concerns. But then Giant Bomb had basically said they were contacted by a PR rep who claimed that they didn't get one because of dubious E3 coverage of Borderlands 3. Yeah. So I can kind of buy the security concerns because back in August you had take two and basically send investigators to a YouTuber's house because they were trying to right. s- cut down on all these Borderlands 3 leaks that were happening. Security concerns with Kotaku, like a smaller outlet, sure, but yeah. Kotaku, come on. And so it, it goes a little bit further than that. So it's not just the security concerns. Right. It's a different way that they distributed these codes because it wasn't codes yes yes what what they did was is they set you up with your own like i guess like we call it like a training account so it's like this epic games spare account from the epic games store and it came preloaded with a review build of borderlands 3 
And from quite literally just about like every review I saw, they all said that this was a very broken build. And and now we know there's a patch coming. So like day one, there's going to be this massive patch because what they're playing, sure, it's probably an unfinished product. They're still finishing it up. I mean, that's another conversation for another day. But the fact remains, the people who did get to go hands-on with it ended up having a lot of issues because they were playing this kind of broken build of a game. So it wasn't a finished product. So really with this, the whole thing, it just kind of brings into question, you know, I guess that the larger picture is kind of Gearbox and Take-Two, like what their relationship is with the media and how it's kind of changed. Because this is a weird strategy in terms of getting reviews because from the outside looking in, what it looks like to me and I've seen this from a few other people, is that they're handpicking certain people who will give them favorable responses so they get a good day one review score. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't look good. <laughs> no, it, it, it looks very shady. Um, I I will say that, like, they're not the first people to have done this um, yeah. to a certain degree. I know certain other um, gaming companies have people they've essentially blacklisted that they yep. just, like, don't ever give codes to. I don't... I, I I want to say Kotaku was blacklisted by someone, but I can't remember who it is. Big. Bethesda. Beth- is it Bethesda? Okay. Yep. I wanted, I was like, is it Bethesda or Bioware? Like, I was like, I know it's somebody big. But that's more of just like, I don't know. They're they're just like blacklisted, whatever. So we can't say that like 2K is the first people to ever do oh, this. Oh, of course not. Yeah. But it's just, I think it's just like, it's kind of the latest instance combined with this weird account epic store account situation um which in itself is shady like giving them a, a separate review build makes me wonder a lot of things like you mm-hmm. know what is is the rng a little different like what did what did they tinker with on the review build to right. potentially make like obviously they can't change big things um like boss battles or story or whatever but did they mess with um the loot numbers or the loot drops or something just like to make it a little more fun. You know, you're getting like these good guns yeah. all the time. Or, I don't or know. do they, do it, they it, limit certain access to microtransactions or things like exactly, that? So you're not exactly. sure what that, that full picture is. Yeah. It's, it's all around. It's shady. And definitely, I mean the, the day one review score, like you said, I mean, I, I go by that a lot more than I used to in the past. Um, that matters to me a lot now. I, yeah. And I think it matters to a lot of people. So the fact that p- people are potentially trying to manipulate that, yeah, it's it's not a good look, but I can kind of get the idea why. But Yeah, and because to your point where the day one review score actually does matter, it's because... I mean, just look at what's happening over the past couple weeks and, like, literally the next few months. There's game after game after game after game. Yeah. Like, Greedfall came out of nowhere for me, and then I had to buy it because everything I was reading about it was like, this game looks right up my alley. I have to try this. So, all of a sudden, that becomes an expense I didn't even know I was going to make because this game came out of nowhere for me personally, and I was like, well, I got to try this out. And so these day one review scores are so important because it, it this could be the d- deciding factor whether or not someone does shell out $60 because $60, it's a lot of money. I mean, no right. matter who you are, 60 bucks is 60 bucks. And so for some people, that's much harder to just shell out than others. 
And so when they're making their decisions, they go by those day one review scores. But more importantly, a lot of these people probably have gravitated to certain outlets because they know yeah. the writer. They yeah. share, you know, similar game interest or, you know, similar opinions to certain right, writers because they have the same play style. They like the same games. Yeah. And they, like they know this person gets what I like. So if right. this person likes it, I'll probably like it, too. And so now you lose out on some of those folks because now you don't get Kotaku's take until after it releases because that's what happened was they said, we'll give you a, your own code closer to the launch date. So who knows if they're getting that today or tomorrow before it actually launches on Friday or who knows if they get it like, you know, Thursday at midnight, you know, right yeah. when it turns into Friday. Um, but with all that, so now you're you're kind of hurting those consumers mm-hmm. in the sense that now they got to wait and that could determine whether or not they actually buy the game too, because obviously it, it ran into a ton of flack because it's on Epic game store. So yeah. it's got that against it. And then now you're kind of doing this shady practice where it looks to, to the untrained eye. It can very much look like you're hand picking your reviewers. And this comes after Randy's fucking meltdown on Twitter when quite literally game informer quoted him word for word and he was like, I didn't say that. I can't believe you'd fuck me like this. It's like, Randy, you yeah. literally said it 15 fucking seconds ago. Yeah. We all heard it. Right. And so, like, he, you can tell he has this fucking tumultuous, tumultuous excuse me, relationship when it comes to the With media. The press, yeah. Because, like, I get, apparently he's just this small child who just can't take an ounce of... It yeah. wasn't even criticism. Like, that's the thing. It, it wasn't, wasn't even fucking criticism. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was just like, he said these microtransactions will be in this game. Because that's yeah. what he fucking said. Right. So, you kind of pile all that onto it. And it kind of brings into the question, like, some of the casual fans like me. Like, I played a handful of hours of Borderlands 2. I enjoyed it. It's a fun mm-hmm. game, for sure. But I've kind of been on the fence with, like, three, like, yeah, I feel like I could probably have some fun, but do I want to spend $60 on it? You know, do I want to get it right at launch? Right. Because I know I get Destiny 2 Shadowkeep coming out in a couple weeks. That's, that's really going to take up my time. And so when I see kind of stuff like this, it, it makes me peel back a little bit because now I'm like, well, let me sit back and see what everyone thinks about it. Let me right. l- let me get all these people who now didn't get their review in time. Let me see what they think. Let me see what some of the consumers think when they actually get their hands on the, the final build when it comes out the 13th. And then maybe I can make my decision. But all of these things have now turned this into a questionable purchase where a few months ago I was pretty much all in. Like I really right. wanted to dabble with this. I had fun with two. I wanted to start from the ground up with sure. friends. Whereas with two, I was just joining in with people already had characters. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty cool concept, but now I'm much more apprehensive about sure. making this purchase. Completely understandable. So what, what really bothers me about this whole thing is that I feel like they, so like, Kotaku will survive whether they get the clicks from Borderlands 3 review oh, yeah. or not, right? But like the smaller the smaller websites out there, the smaller YouTube channels, they're sending this message that's like you need to fall in line or you're not getting our products and this is a huge title and this would get you a ton of clicks and ad revenue and all that stuff that you probably need to keep mm-hmm. your site afloat. Yeah. Um so that that really bothers me because you know that's essentially manipulating people into just saying positive things about your game which is kind of the antithesis of journalism yeah you know like and it of course it just hurts us the consumer in the end because can we even trust reviews that we're getting now especially from 
maybe these smaller people who we do really like and yeah. um, tend to agree with their content, it's like, well, you know, is this guy holding back because he really wants to get a review copy of whatever? It, it's, it's, it's just not okay, you know? It's, yeah, that, that what you just said brings up another huge point of this because Dan Stapleton is one who's the executive editor um, for reviews on IGN. He had tweeted out, so there's a couple of tweets I'm going to read from him. You can go find them at Dan Stapleton. Mm-hmm. It sucks to hear that 2K has been picking and choosing which outlets get Borderlands 3 codes and which don't based on the tone of their coverage. That practice is bad for all reviewers. Even if you get a copy this time, next time, who knows? Yeah. This kind of thing is also shitty for those of us who did get copies in advance because it makes us look like we're doing something potentially un- unethical to earn yeah. them. It is interesting to put yourself in the position of 2K here, though. Imagine this hypothetical. Due to security concerns from the corporate overlords, you have a limited number of copies to hand out. You have to say no to some people. How would you choose winners and losers? So that so he poses a couple of good points, like you just mm-hmm. said there, where now you might have people second-guess, well, like, what did they do to get this copy? Like, right, did they promise right. they're not going to go too hard on them? But then he brings up a good point, too. Like, they're being told to do this like the, the corporate people are the ones saying all right this is what you can do with these codes these are the yeah. amount we can give out this is all we can do so now you have the terrible task of like all right we gotta pick the people with the biggest reach and the, it, it does seem like they might be picking the ones who not only have a big reach but will also be slightly more favorable well, yeah. to them because they would have if all they cared about reached kotaku would have gotten the code so yeah, that one stuns me because I know Polygon got a code. Polygon's review, it, it definitely did not feel like they held back. It no, felt like they were being very good, honest. It wasn't a great review at yeah. all. Yeah, and, and that's not in terms of how it was written. It wasn't a great no, review. No, no. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, it was it was fine review in terms of like the writer, yeah. but it, the uh, the impression and the score of it was not. They they did not have a positive experience with it. It didn't seem like. Yeah. And it's because it seems like it's it's much more of the same where it's like, hey, if you like Borderlands, you're going to like this. If you don't like Borderlands, you're probably not going to just all of a sudden change your mind with this yeah. game. Yeah, and I mean, at least that writer made it sound like, I, I believe it was a he, um, that he felt that it was just getting kind of stale. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the same kind of jokes. It's the same this or that. Like, it's more of the same, but like, is that necessarily a good thing? Um, you know, I... I I don't. I haven't played it, so I don't know whether I agree or disagree with them. But yeah. it's interesting that they they chose to give that particular outlet a code, and then they got like a pretty middling review <laughs> from them. Yeah. So but, I mean, it, that that's actually a positive because that means maybe they. So they that were shows me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that shows me a that you know Polygon was being objective about it, um, and b that maybe they weren't handpicking. To have those perfect scores but it, i mean i don't it's it's still just it's just bad optics which kind of sucks is. because like they they've had some kind of rough optics over they the past really year or have. so yeah randy Fucking has not medieval done times them. he's not done them any favors like if you take randy pitchford out of the equation borderlands 3 had like pretty good run up until this situation but yeah. it's just it's just Randy Pitchford being a fucking maniac. Yeah, that <laughs> like... guy. And he, it's wild. He like always gets a pass. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with that, it kind of brought up another question I had. Where how do you think this kind of puts a lot more importance, or if it does put any importance, on the need for like consumer reviews? Because naturally, there's the complete 
bad end of the spectrum in terms of consumer reviews when we deal yeah, with review um, bombs, which I think are the fucking stupidest thing on this. I know. On in the gaming planet. Obviously, there's plenty of stupid things, but right now, in this moment, I think that's stupid. So, <laughs> but so I can't stand when people do that shit because I think it, it it's really what you're doing is you're trying to like hurt devs that might not have even been the devs on the previous games or anything like I that. Know. So it, it makes no sense. So, anywho, <laughs> I do think though there is a place for that type of stuff, whether it be in Reddit forums where you can chat freely yeah. about the game or on social media. I think there's a need to still have that consumer input because, again, they're the ones who end up playing the final product. Mm -hmm. So, as we've seen with this one in particular, it's got a lot of bugs for their review builds. And it doesn't happen with every game. Like, a lot of games, when they come out, and the, the review builds are usually pretty good because it yeah. sounds like most of them are usually pretty much done before right, they end up launching. the game, yeah. Yeah, and so this one seems like it's still got a, maybe a little bit of work to do, which doesn't sound too promising, no. considering it comes out in two days. Yeah. But I, I do think there's still a need for solid consumer reviews. Oh, yeah. I mean, I so the the Metacritic score is interesting, the, the user score on there, because I actually tend to find it pretty accurate just because you get so many, like, dumb fanboys giving it a 10 out of 10 for no reason other than <laughs> yep. it exists and then you have people giving it one out of 10 because for example um someone gave greedfall like a one out of 10 because the characters weren't attractive enough and there was no one he was physically attracted to oh okay yeah he, he was right. like this game needs and then listed like a bunch of thoughts from like other video games like i'd say you know, i'd the, say that that dude needs to get outside but honestly i don't i don't want that dude interacting with society yeah he could stay so, in his fucking cave <laughs> so yes yeah, so, and and you get people to give it one out of ten just because whatever um yeah so you know those people do tend to cancel each other out so you probably get a pretty accurate score in the end um i definitely like stuff more like reddit um where you can actually sort of have a discussion again reddit is the kind of thing where like Let's face it, if you're on the Dragon Age Reddit, you're probably a pretty big Dragon Age fan. Yeah, you that's know? true. So it's, it is it is kind of a bit of a bias. Um, but at the same time, like, you can at least kind of discuss things with people. You can get a little more long form than you could in just, like, a comment or a, a short review on Metacritic or something. So Right. Yeah, I, I think consumer reviews are very important, especially as we might start questioning the objectivity of journalists that have to think they have to do this or that to get a review code now yeah i really hope that this doesn't continue on like i hope more studios don't yeah. pull this type of stuff because honestly it it, it leads to this type of conversation like we yes. shouldn't be having yes. this conversation Agreed. but here we are doing it yeah. on a wednesday night because they pulled these types of moves and I, I listen i get it if it's security concerns but the fact is it's clearly not just security concerns when you got pr reps telling giant bomb yeah you had bad coverage of us so sorry right, right. like what the fuck like yeah we had like we, we're gonna cover you the way we're gonna cover you so i don't know i i, I feel like there's this puts more of an emphasis on finding people who you share similar tastes with because 
that's going to always help you make your decision. Yes. And like you said, like Reddit's a great spot for that in the sense that, because I know you said it might be a downside where you go to the Dragon Age forum. Obviously, it's going to be a bunch of Dragon yeah. Age fans. However, I think that that's a positive too because if, they're, if they've been fans of the series for so long, then they can kind of talk about like, all right, this, this change in this right, game, it right. doesn't really work, or I liked it better this way, or I like this new change that they added. So I feel like that adds some nuance to the conversation yeah. for sure. And then also, like, just anytime you can find, like, you know, a fan group or something or a community of... A Discord, yeah. Exactly. Those are always super helpful because then you can just have, instead of posting your long-form thoughts, you can just have conversations, kind of go back and forth with it. So I think this kind of put a little spotlight on the fact that that type of stuff is still very necessary in this industry. Yeah. Because this type of, these type of shenanigans, I guess you could call them... Sometimes they go down, and it's it's a shame that people didn't get given codes that normally would have just because maybe, and again, because now this is speculation, maybe they would have given them an unfavorable review and they were a little worried about it. I think that's shitty. Like, I think if you're you're confident in your team, if you're confident in the game, if you're confident in your fan base, then you should feel confident sending that game out to be reviewed by just about anybody. So. It ends up opening these doors for these conversations, these shades of doubt. And then, like, in my case, where now it's led me to kind of go on the fence. Like, do I want to, like, I still will want to play it, but I don't think right away. Like, I think I might wait for it to go on sale or. Yeah, at least wait, at least wait to see if they fix all the crashing Yeah, that's a big thing. That's a big thing with what I've been hearing. reviews, yeah. So that one, I I figured we were going to talk a bit about that. It was like 20 minutes on that. So that was a good conversation because, like. It was just baffling when it was yeah. kind of coming out, and, and the more you found out about it, the more baffling it kind of got. So right. let us know your thoughts on the Borderlands review situation, so give us a call. I'll say the number again at the end of the show. I'm not going to keep throwing it in in the middle. <laughs> so the next story we did want to talk about, though, it looks like video games could be getting one step closer to the Olympics. And so this is from Kotaku by Ian Walker, and it's actually titled, Video Games Get One Step Closer to Being in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a good title. <laughs> Although the Olympics are known more physical competitive pursuits like gymnastics and swimming, the organization has been inching closer and closer to the world of esports over the last few years. Its latest toe dip into the water comes in the form of a $500,000 gaming tournament hosted with Intel held during the lead up to the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. And so this was originally reported by Esports Observer. The Intel World Open will feature competition in Street Fighter V and Rocket League with a $250,000 prize pool for each game. Intel's Director of Business Development, Mark Sabotnik, explained that these two titles were chosen due to the ease with which even casual spectators can keep up with the on-screen action. The legacy of the Street Fighter franchise, especially in Japan, was also a key factor in its inclusion, according to Sabotnik. So... It's a very good article. Uh, I'm going to include this in the show notes. I'm also going to include any of the Borderlands news articles that we kind of use to frame our discussion. Those will all be in the show notes as well. So go check out all of that stuff. It'll it'll help you out for sure. I think this is cool, mostly because I think this is just another big step up for esports in general. If they're trying to get like this type of appeal. I know you'll always be met with the, distra- the detractors where it's like, ooh, it's not real sports. It's like, fucking badminton's an Olympic sport. Get the fuck out of here calling, like... I mean, like, badminton's the game you play when you're drunk at a cookout with your family. And, like, you're <laughs> falling over your little cousins because they're getting in the way. And it gets way too aggressive. <laughs> this may or may not have happened to me. I can't confirm or to die. But the fact remains... 
video games belong in the Olympics at this point. Like with some of the Olympic sports we got, esports are getting bigger and bigger. They're they're very lucrative. We're seeing these huge payouts for some of these games now. Obviously, the big popular one was a three million dollar payout for Fortnite. So I feel like that's only going to keep growing. And I think they'd be silly not to capitalize on it because mm-hmm. there's there's a chance to get like way more you know advertisements and revenue and things of that nature. So I, I yeah. think it's cool if we can get to that part, that point, excuse me. Yeah, I guess I'm like a little more traditional. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I actually really like this idea of tying a gaming tournament into the Olympics with like, yeah. it's the lead up and it's in the same area and stuff. I don't know. I don't know about how I feel about it as an actual olympic event with the medals and stuff um but i i also just like i don't like the direction the olympics have gone lately anyway so i maybe it all just makes sense to just have it all be commercialized and yada 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 i don't know oh it's definitely going that way like, it is i mean it, it was is, going that so. way back in like 1996 like who was it carrie strug wasn't she like doing that yeah. uh that flip you do yeah and she fucked up her ankle but she, yeah. she still nailed it yeah yeah, well, it used to be, at least, it used to be that, like, you couldn't be in the Olympics if you were a professional athlete. If you were paid, sponsored to play whatever sport, you were ineligible. Um, yeah. That's not the case anymore, so. Oh, like, yeah, no. It's, <laughs> all of yeah, these people it's, are it's paid all going, athletes. <laughs> yeah, it's, they're all paid athletes. Um, it's all going in a different direction that some of it I don't, I don't like as much anyway, so. Yeah. I don't know. I I have mixed feelings on it. Let's put it this way. But I think this um, pre-Olympic tournament sounds cool. So I'm be, all for good, just the yeah. mainstream exposure. Like I, yeah. I I'm totally cool. Anytime we can get a little bit more, just just another inch into that mainstream where people stop just like blaming video games for everything and just start being like, hey, this is a pretty cool medium that we can tell awesome stories with. So yeah. if it leads to some more people getting involved, True. I think it's a cool thing. But Again, like, I feel like sometimes the Olympics, depending on where they are, and they're always on, like, some super obscure channel that, like, you can never find. Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know. We'll Especially see. Especially depending on what, what sport it is and what time yeah. of day it is. The only, the only Olympic sport I really give a shit about is curling, because curling is fucking awesome. <laughs> Absolutely the coolest thing. Uh, so, for the last story we got, this this one I had to talk about because when I saw it, I actually saw I retweeted something because somebody tweeted out it's like unpopular opinion like I love Ubisoft open world games I love doing like this checkpoints I love going to points and clearing the map all this and so I I retweeted I was like I feel this on a spiritual level and then we got from IGN earlier today by Matt Perslow Ubisoft will not return to creating shorter games says CEO. So Ubisoft will continue to focus on huge open world games that take many hours to play, but has the goal to provide smaller scale adventures within large worlds, says the company's CEO. Talking to GamesIndustry.biz, Yves Gilmont said no to the question of if the company would ever return to games of the scale of Assassin's Creed Unity, in which the main story could easily be finished in around 15 hours. Imagine that he's just like, hey, you going to ever do short games again? No. No. Never. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And so he goes on, Eves goes on to say, our goal is to make sure you can have a unity within an odyssey. If you want to have a story of 15 hours, you can have it, but you can also have other stories. You live in that world and you pursue what you want to pursue. You have an experience, many unity-like experiences. So Hmm. again, I'll I'll post that article in the show notes. I saw this and I was like, great, this is, this is totally fine by me. 
because yeah. I love the Ubisoft open world games. I I loved Wildlands. Had a great time playing the Breakpoint beta. I'm very much looking forward to getting into that. Me and Manny played a bunch. Actually, Vinny played with us too. So Blue Electron oh, in the cool. Discord. So it's it's a lot of fun. I know Bear and Tambo are shitting all over it, but hey guys, <laughs> it's fucking fun. So you can suck it. So I'm really looking forward to when that comes out because the map looks pretty awesome. I- I'm liking some of the changes that they made because they made it slightly more like almost RPG and kind of loot based, which I I think I like that shit. So yeah. that's why it appeals to me. <laughs> so no hard feelings to Baron Tambo, but I had to I had to throw a little jab at him. Sure. So I'm yeah. all for this because loved what they did with Far Cry New Dawn because again they made some cool improvements to that Watch Dogs Legion looks awesome. The fact that you can play as any NPC like that's insane to me. So I'm really curious to see how that open world kind of plays out. Mm-hmm. So like. I again Odyssey is sitting in my backlog. I will eventually play it, but now I got sucked into Greedfall. So who knows when I get to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Right. But I'm uh I'm really okay with Eves and and Yubi just being like, yeah. We're going to keep the super long open world games coming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not as big a uh Ubisoft fan as you. I I have played like some of the Assassin's Creeds and everything and yeah. I liked them. Um but just in general, like I'm happy that some people are still making these like longer games that have more of a story driven or some sort of focus that just like isn't just for like the short attention span over and done sort of situation like especially with games costing as much as they cost now. Yeah. I want a 60 hour experience for my $60. Thank you very much. Like so I I'm happy that they're taking a stand with this. Um and hopefully, you know, other people who may be, might be on the fence will um, realize, like, hey, it's okay to keep making these longer games. There's still a market for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the big thing is how he says the focus is, like, we want to give you those those smaller story experiences within the larger world and the larger right. story. And I think that goes, you know, a, a huge length in terms of world building because then it ends up giving you, like, these worlds you do want to keep spending time in. And it gives them the chance because, like, the Far Cry series, the Watch Dogs series, you know, even Ghost Recon, they're always changing location. And it gives them that flexibility because they're always able to build this new world by giving you so much stuff to do, so many characters to meet, yeah. so many missions to do, and just so many things to actually explore. And so I, I know that gets old for some people. I know plenty of people who absolutely hate the checkpoint style. I Well, mm-hmm. checklist style, I guess I call it, but... I absolutely love it. Like, I love going in there, opening my map, and be like, okay, I gotta go get this tower so I can get this section of the map online, and then once I do that, I'm like, look at all these collectibles I can do, and look at this side mission. Like, I do it in every single game that gives me that option. Okay. Yeah, like, Spider-Man did it too. It's the same thing. Like, you have to hack the towers, so I go hack all the towers, and then the first time I played Spider-Man, I immediately went and got all of the backpacks, because... Mm -hmm. Why, why would I just play the main story when I could go collect backpacks? <laughs> so this is right up my alley. I'm very much yeah. looking forward to whatever their next Far Cry is. Like uh, we talked about after E3, like with Watch Dogs Legion, I think that looks really cool. It's it's mm-hmm. something that's going to get me back into that series. So I say more power to you, Yubi. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing because I'm happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> and all I care about is my fucking happiness. <laughs> and checkpoints. And checkpoints. Lots of checkpoints. <laughs> 
So that has been all the news stories we want to talk about. It's been, it's been a busy week with, with news stuff, for sure. So we had to There's get some of that more. out there. There's going to be way, just yeah. so much more. It's never going to end because TGS is happening. I'm it's sure, started, like, while yeah. we're sleeping, the Death Stranding trailer is going to go for oh. 50 minutes. And I'm going to watch it eventually, and I'm going to love yeah. every second of it. Will I understand it? Who's to say? We'll find out. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to once that airs because we'll have to talk about that. But yeah. If you guys have any thoughts on tonight's episode, shows you've been watching, news stories that you are passionate about, give us a call, 347-509-5620. And before we get into the end of the show, we do have a voicemail that I want to play. And before that, the voicemail segment is brought to you guys by Evil Tim Industries. Evil Tim Industries, the maker of answering machines since 1982, who the fuck still has an answering machine (laughs) <laughs> you do because evil tim has made it mandatory that every house in the united states has an evil tim answering machine that doesn't actually record voicemails but records everything you do it's actually called an amazon echo <laughs> evil tim industries maker of the amazon echo just kidding don't sue us amazon more work for your mouth evil tim industries thank you evil <laughs> tim we really appreciate it so we do have a little voicemail we have to play it it's a good one okay it's from our buddy Dexter, Dexter. also known as Derek. <laughs> hey guys, it's Dexter here with a who said it for you. Are you ready? Okay. The quote is, many find the universe confusing. That's the beauty of it. Was it A, Alphanod from Final Fantasy XIV, B, Sigma from Overwatch, C, Morden Solace from Mass Effect 2, or D, a random geck from No Man's Sky. Pause. I paused it. So okay, it. I don't think it was Alphano. That doesn't sound like him. From FF14, I'm I'm probably gonna go with Warden Solace. He's like usually not that poetic, but I don't know. The other choices don't make sense to me. Although I, I feel know- like it might be Sigma. Yeah, I don't know Sigma. Like, I don't know I, Overwatch, so... Because I, I know he's supposed to be the mad scientist because, hey, he doesn't wear shoes. Remember oh, he's that the whole one thing? that doesn't wear shoes. Yeah, he's the one that doesn't wear shoes. And this seems like something like a sciencey guy would say. Yeah. I also, also know he's a big Overwatch player, is Dexter. Well, Dexter has also been playing a lot of FF14. That's true. Like, I don't... It doesn't sound like Alphano at all. Um, I'm so going with is... Sigma. Okay, I'm going to go with Morden Solus, but I think you might be right. Let's find out. We're going okay. to the tape. And the answer is B, Sigma from Overwatch. You got it. All right, guys. Did you listen to the voicemail Have fun. Before? Love you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, I Dexter. did not listen to the voicemail before. Okay. There are, so I do typically pre-screen voicemails, mostly to see, like, who it is so I can set it up. But once I saw that his was a who said it, I stopped okay. listening. Okay. And made sure I did not read. Even if I did read it, like, the transcription is never correct <laughs> so but thank you so much yeah. for giving us yeah. a call dexter with your who said it i'm very yeah. happy that i got it right because you know it's good to be right every now and then <laughs> so if you guys have some who said it's give us a call like dexter did 347-509-5620 and with that let's wind down episode 96 it's been a fun one because we were just kind of shooting from the hip like yeah. a couple of gunslingers over here yes. Reacting to the news. Just reacting. Just talking about games and shows and having a great Wednesday. So, 
If you've enjoyed this or any other episode that we've produced, head on over to whatever podcast service you listen to us on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, whatever it is, leave us a like, subscribe to us, and write us a review. It goes a long way, and we really appreciate your support. And of course, if you've enjoyed this or anything else that we do, head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. And if you're feeling generous, feel free to throw us a buck or two because every dollar you give us goes right back to the show to make it the best gaming podcast ever. Ever! ever. <laughs> That's good timing. <laughs> so now it is time to close out episode 96. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you, and we will talk to you all very soon. Thank you.